0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Eat Weeds Podcast. I'm Robin Harford and today I'm sitting in the rain in a wood in Bristol with my friend Andy Hamilton. I first met Andy years ago when I had come into foraging and was blogging about recipes and stuff and didn't feel I could teach so I went around filming people and Andy uh, was one of the first people that I filmed in Bristol. We went on a walk with you, Silla and myself. A long time ago. That was 2007, maybe. Right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah.
1: Even before, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd
0: done Self-Sufficientish Book and the Self-Sufficientish Forum. At that time,
1: Self-Sufficientish Bible was out. The website was out. And... And I was running courses and stuff. And I felt like I was quite a big part of the Bristol counterculture as well. Like Mark Boyle was around. There was a lot of excitement in air. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So those who don't know who Mark Boyle is, Mark Boyle wrote an amazing book called The Moneyless Man. Yeah. And then, well, proceed, which is basically about how to live without spending cash. Yeah,
1: and I've just finished his latest book, which is called The Way Home. And he's gone self-sufficient in Ireland. He's gone off grid completely.
0: It's with pencil and paper, P- doesn't it?
1: Pencil and paper. That's so a, yeah, cool.
0: Yeah, and he talks about
1: how he's had to relearn doing that, like it's a different process that he's doing, but then it's a lot longer, you know, you'll sit there with the pencil pondering for much longer than you will putting your fingers on plastic that's been mined out of the earth, I think is the way that yeah. really he put it. So the reason I mentioned Mark was, I think, Fergus Drennan came down, so... There wasn't many people around foraging at the moment. No, me, not at all. You, Fergus Brennan, Miles, Miles, my
0: brother, and Marcus and Harrison, Marcus Harrison. There was Jade Meller in Wales, and Rachel Lambert. In she wasn't in Cornwall at the time. Right? I don't you think. think. She been going that long? Yeah, no, she has because oh. I filmed her after I filmed you. To give
1: that some context about Bristol and everything. Now, I think there's, there were as many foragers actively working, or at least. Not a social media, because it was before that, but with with an internet profile, as there are now foragers in Bristol working. I don't know if you ever got this question off of anyone from the media. Do you think foraging can get any more popular? Foraging is so popular right now. And that was like before this now, where we are now, which I think...
0: I I thought it had peaked seven years ago. Yeah, and it just keeps going. And it just keeps going. It just keeps going. And morphing and evolving.
1: Like, Lisa... um, Oh, what's the name? Edible. Cutliff. Cutliff, Cutliff. Edilus. Yeah, yeah, Edilus. That's it. She she was talking on something the other day, and she was saying about how difficult it was to get information. And that's
0: right, isn't it? Do you remember how difficult it was to find out about a plant? Like, what was your... No, because I can be all (laughs) smug. Because the one person that everyone forgets to mention, and most probably don't know, which is why he never got mentioned is a guy called Marcus Harrison. Marcus Harrison Who set mate. up the Wild right, Food yeah, yeah. School yeah. 30 years before any of us even yeah, right. came on and spent his life in the British Library going through the scrolls. Marcus would consult for Ray Mears doing his TV show yeah. with Gordon Hillman. Marcus would be consulted. Hugh Fernley-Whitting still doing his and Cook on the Wild side. I do have a B in my bonnet about giving credit where credit's due. Yeah, we all stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. So I always mention on all my gigs, two mentors. Frank Cook, Frank the hippie. Cook. Has to be Frank Cook. And Marcus Harris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's important in the same way that when we quote someone's book, we give them credit. We cite them in the references. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Similar thing. For no. me
1: it was it was then the, the offshoot of that, so Ray Mears, Ray Mears' programme. Yeah. Bush took a man to a certain extent. If oh, you yeah. remember Bush cool, took a yeah. man. TV program I about him. And and just various like enthusiasts websites. I mean back then the internet was run by enthusiasts rather than corporations. And,
0: oh, it was so much better in the old days. No, you Actually. see, it kind of got corporate um, two thousand because I was publishing right. back then. Right. I mean, my background was was with all the people who now are the reason why it's become what it's become—the devil incarnate. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I'm you're just, right. I mean, yeah, it was, a... it was.
0: It was. It was very different to what it is now.
1: There's an uncomfortable truth, isn't there, about like when things do. Get to corporation level they can expand exponentially because they've got the money to do that and they've got the wherewithal and the power and all the rest of it yeah and so you can say oh what a great time it was back in the days when there was just a few enthusiasts who might get things wrong (laughs) yeah but now you've got you know you've got all the social media outlets and everything and information is being shared and i see things like information being shared amongst the foragers and then it will be shared amongst the, the people that they teach and then it might make its way to books, but you can just see like these caged, like, so was it last year, year before where dandelion honey was kind of like... Yeah, doing its thing. Doing its thing. Yeah. And you get these trends that follow. And I found that really interesting. And so you can almost mark the flow of information by which wild food product, if you like. So yeah. let that's called yeah. dandelion honey, a foraging product. The way that it goes through... Do you not think that came up. out the vegan interest possibly possibly i got a
0: sense that that's what
1: that's what made it grow yeah yeah maybe
0: maybe which is it's interesting isn't it because that's really cool because it's actually disseminating foraging information and turning people onto onto foraging and wild food in in the most curious ways these kind of Spontaneous uprisings Yeah happen. I don't think one. that was structured Or engineered by any corporation I mean horse radish
1: vodka I stuck that in booze for free And now you can buy that There's various really? companies Making well, horse radish vodka there you go But that, I mean I got that Because it was an old Russian recipe You know It's not okay. like It's not like I can take credit sure. For it either yeah. You know But these things do Spread out slowly And
0: I suppose I mean Is that mycelium The mycelium brain Is that You know yes, Kind of mycelium Yes I'm glad you
1: mentioned that i was just kind of come across okay. That idea That we're all worthwhile every single individual of us we're all worthwhile because we're all adding to to the we're all adding to
0: (laughs) okay you didn't bite damn all right carry on sorry i'll stop interrupting you there's all sorts of different
1: people listening to your podcast robin but yeah the corporate side of things i mean the social media this big evil that we have there is some good to it isn't there because we are sharing information through it whether that will continue because the toxicity of where social media is now i don't know but it does seem that that's rather than sharing photos and sharing pictures of our dinner with each other people like us post videos or post pictures or whatever and people are using it as a sort of form of tv or a form of kind yeah of, very you know, much very you know, much you know, yeah. entertainment so i'm seeing a lot less of people sharing their personal stuff and a lot more of, of influences but that might be down to who i follow i don't know
0: yeah, that's an interesting one because yeah, I don't really get into following. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. think echo chambers are, are they, they are kind of suddenly you're in this echo chamber and the whole world suddenly seems to be doing it and then you realise they're not. Yeah. And yeah. it was interesting because I was talking to a BBC journo last week and she was saying that, you know, Radio 4's got a real problem and the BBC generally has a real problem because it's, it's fixed. as a media of communicating information. You know it was like you wanted the news you had to tune in at six pm yeah or nine pm and and that was it whereas the new generation of media production, both corporate and citizen journal, is that it's on demand the yeah. the, the 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 viewer, the listener uh, the reader is in control because they want it when they want to consume, yeah, not when the corporate tells them. When try.
1: I tell my kids about having to wait for a program to come on and if you miss the end of the series you've missed it for good. Yeah, yeah. You know, and all you can do is listen to your friends boast about seeing it in the playground and that's that. Like, they just look at me gone out. Like, it's a different world. Yeah. Like, you know, they don't They don't, kind of don't understand it. Yeah. And that's moved on from, my, my, my niece was down recently, she's 15 and even their generation was videotaping and DVDs and yeah. stuff still. So, this is a newer generation that and I wonder what mentally that does thinking that you can have whatever you want whenever you want it, whether that feeds in somewhere else psychologically, where that leads to. I don't know if you've got the answer
0: there, I have absolutely <laughs> no answer to that. I'm fond fa- I mean, we'll of that one. I think we'll from, that one. for me what what kind of, So for readers who don't know, Andy is traditionally published by you know proper yeah. publishing companies and I'm a bootstrapper I'm DIy I'm yeah, self-published yeah. Right there seems to be again it's that kind of divergence that's going on and the echo chamber, so I'm very involved with more more DIY culture yeah more yeah. artists creators makers who do the whole process themselves. Yeah rather than traditional publishing or whatever. And no, I, no, I'm really making no thing on it other than I think, Andy, why don't you DIY? i ran my own uh, podcast. You know, I did a podcast okay. for
1: six weeks or so. Okay. A Pop-up lot, podcast. It's a lot of work. <laughs> Do you think so? Well, I think the DIY yeah. aspect of it, like I'm dyslexic enough that... many writers are. That <laughs> to have a proofreader, that helps me. To having my agent really helps me because that. she can... Like some of the books that I might have published if it was not for my agent, would <laughs> have. You know, there was a few ideas that were kind of misfired. Yeah. That out there. Yeah. You know, there was one survivalist book, and and I kind of just went off on a on a very. Sometimes, I don't necessarily see the bigger picture. I get lost in the thought, in almost the same way as Fergus Drennan does. You know that. He can he can get lost in Leifu or whatever. Yeah, you know, no, and totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. And fair play yeah. to her. And I know this is not criticism on him whatsoever. No, it's a lovely chap. But that's I, deep exploration. But it's deep exploration. Yeah. And so I was doing the same with an idea for a survival book, and I wondered about well, in a post-apocalyptic future, we'd end up eating cat, and I had some recipes for it in, right. the, in this book. And my agent was like, no. No, I mean, the vegans might you, have been on you. You'd have been known for that, wouldn't you, and nothing else. So there's been a couple of kind of, that was the sort of biggest one I could think of that would cause a stir. But then I guess I would have been known more if I had published that. But who would have touched me after that? <laughs> 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 if I wanted to go down the traditional thing. I, mean, I get you, but my, my attention to detail isn't as good as it could be for some things. So I'm
0: good at getting the ideas and stuff. And so... I need other people to, to, to come. I don't make any judgment on people who trad publish. I just, I'm just, i just bloody minded. They've come to me wanting the entire lot that I've written and it's like, no, you're not having it. Someone did actually say, just before we bring this back into foraging, that because there's a lot of people who listen to this who are writers themselves or considering it. I like trad. You get beautiful books done. You get beautiful cover designs, beautiful topography, beautiful papers, beautiful editions if you want to go that route. What I see with a lot of that influencer market on social media with foraging is that I would, I think, because a lot of them, a lot of the influencers are younger than yeah, I am. I'm yeah. 60 next year. I'm an old fart, really, out in the and entire game. And you're chipping into that kind of domain <laughs> to, be, I'm almost, to be diplomatic. You can almost get a saga holiday brochure. Yeah, well, and... you've only got another year, mate. <laughs> there you go. I can get a bus ticket see? Um and so I, I, I like the DIY culture with foraging because, one, it's very experimental by default. It, the very nature of it is, like, they would have published about how do we cat. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, without yeah. even blinking. Yeah, I'm sure it wouldn't have seen it. wouldn't like have been a... There. Most probably. Yeah. This all, yeah. And so there's this... On the one hand, you've got people who share on, on social media, really creative ways they're unique you look at their their feed and it's just them it's like there's a uniqueness there and then you flip i flip on to like the the kind of the more you've got the corporates doing it as Mm -hmm. well um and it's very same same but then you've got influencers who basically all i'm seeing is people who don't really know themselves and they're copying generally the corporates which is not really cool so again it becomes quite Bland and same-same and right, boring. Right, that's
1: interesting. Um, well, so that's the platform where it could be really experimental. Totally. Oh,
0: this is where, yeah, where yeah. we need to reclaim it, yeah, actually. Yeah. Because it corporations aren't actually in control of... I know they're in control of the algorithm and all that, but I'm not prepared to give them all that power. And I actually think right. we've got the power. We give the... we as, as users, we create the content. Yes, we're the product because they can ping so, ads at us. So actually... It's it's a platform where you can be really experimental with your foraging and your wild food recipes and the your kind of your own insights to the a, world. The thing
1: is, with your feed now, is your feed also feeds into the rest of your data. So if you're someone that lives in the centre of London, say, and walks past a lot of the sort of big corporations there, you're going to get a different feed than someone who lives in the countryside. Yeah, and you're going to be fed accordingly. So because of the sharing of data and because of all that, then I'm more likely to be fed stuff that would influence me to give products to my kids. So yeah. my feed is different. So your feed doesn't necessarily reflect what you're putting out there or what you're doing. It also reflects the rest of your life. Yeah. And I think that that's something all of our feeds are so individual now. And there'd be a profile on you as Robin, as um, I don't know what you'd be. You'll be whatever they've decided you are, and it can be... So one of the profile names is Phone Addicted Mum, for yeah, instance. Yeah, So Phone Addicted Mum will get something very different than Anarchist Granddad, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's... You are, I
0: don't <laughs> know. No, no, no. I might be anarchic. I, don't... I no yeah, longer the, refer to myself as an anarchist, yeah, young man. Yeah, but, man. It, but it's,
1: it's actually, it's, it's that p- pared down, and, uh, and I think the reason why you're seeing pared down crap is because you've been pushed into a box that that's what the algorithm thinks you need. For whatever reason, you've been pushed into this little box yeah. and that's what you're getting back. I have a non-smart
0: phone and I leave it at home quite often. And so I get a very different Because It sounds like you're talking it as a consumer of information. Mm-hmm. I'm talking of using it as a disseminator of information. Right.
1: Okay, so you need to give your phone to someone else every now and again and put that in their pocket. And swap phones. And I'm not
0: really bothered by. It. I don't. Right. I mean, I do look at my feed. I follow right. certain people, but I tend to go direct. I don't wait for the okay, feed to yeah, showcase yeah. You their don't, stuff. You
1: don't scroll down, do you? I'm not a scroller. Yeah. yeah Absolutely yeah. not. No. So I I have specific
0: yeah. people that I will go to, and because there is so much data in the world, and I, you know, we are open to so much influences. I have to choose who are the people I'm really going to bother listening yeah, to. yeah. Because yeah. actually, this is a war for attention. Yeah. Right. You know, and actually this feeds into when I'm creating content, I'm very, very respectful, I hope I am, of people's attention. Because, you know, it's a it's a permission. You liked, it's a permission.
1: I saw something of yours the other day and it was to do with hemlock and was it? and I thought yeah, and it was you explained.
0: Hemlock hemlock versus cowboys. Yeah, plastic. yeah. So yeah. hemlock but that little video that you did.
1: And it was like I've avoided that for years, cow parsley. My next book is about fearful foraging. It's about foraging from the beginner. And so there's certain plants like cow parsley, which, you know, I'm embarrassed to say, very embarrassed to say that I've left. I mean, I have touched other f- plants in that family that I know very well that grow around me and stuff. So I'm going a bit
0: red-thinking. <laughs> it's a real admission. I think that's really, really fine, fine but like,
1: So So Alexander's and, and hogweed and things like that. But cow parsley, I've always just gone,
0: Mm. I can
1: see the difference, but I'm not, I'm
0: just, just not quite there with that. Okay, so this is a really interesting topic that's opened up right. in this discussion. Uh, this is why I don't script these, so things emerge. Right. And that feeds into something that I say to people, that foraging actually is not hard. What's hard is to be able to look closely and see clearly. Yeah. And I described that on my foraging gigs as look at the back of your hand. You've lived with it for your entire life. Now close your eyes and try and picture it in its entirety. I don't know anyone who can. And you've lived with that for the back of your, yeah, yeah, for yeah. the whole of your life. So to immediately think you're going to learn plants in 48 hours is just... That's nice. That's it's a kind of not, way It is a kind of way of living. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, we all right. have... Biases. We see this green wall, and it. And you know this by foraging. Actually, our eyes open up a little bit more, yeah, and and the individualism pops out. So it's no different with cow parsley or hemlock. And then there's the smell. There's the sensory side. It's not so just I
1: think eyes. And it was more to do with that. Just that because I knew they smelled different, and I could smell them. But I just didn't want to just jump that little hurdle. Of it's that kind of when you do an abseil. sale, do if you've ever done I an I have abs indeed. So yeah, there's a bit, it. isn't there, just at the top. Oh, that's fantastic. That bit. You've got to let go. That bit, you've got to let go, <laughs> haven't you? And so, I wasn't prepared to let go okay, and potentially kill myself, even though I knew I wasn't. And I just needed someone to give me that extra push. So, I looked at your video and it gave me that extra push. Cut the stems in half, have a look at the stems, look at the difference of the stems. Yeah. That's all I needed. Yeah. I had all the other information. I can pick it out. but. I needed to jump over the cliff. So it's a
0: bit like once I'd found wild celery, that was it, it's everywhere now. Yeah, yeah. But I ate it with a friend of mine because, again, for me, it was like you with cow parsley. It was one of those plants that was like, well, if I get this wrong, this could be, it's not, I mean, I know hemlock water drop work really, really well, but it grows right in the middle of it. And if I picked a bit without being, present. See hemlock got it drop, wrong?
1: I got that one. I'm talking about normal hemlock. If you get it wrong you die. So <laughs> I I, I, like I enjoy it. I think and that's that, absolutely fine. If you don't know it, don't
0: put it in your mouth.
1: so I wouldn't teach it and all the rest of it. And no, I'm in a place where I can. And so I've just done this book, The National Trust, which might be called Faint Hearted Forager, might be called something else. But it's this philosophy that I'm going to get across in that that it's not a race. Yeah. And when it becomes a race that's when you've got a problem. You're kind of slowing down anyway when you're foraging. So why not? You don't need to know everything straight away. And I I think when I when you first met me, when I was first teaching, I was trying to stuff my head full of as much knowledge as I could at yeah. that time. And although I learned quite a lot quite quickly, added to my knowledge, I've since slowed down and just, like you say, hone in on one or two plants. And it's a different education. It is. And I think because I don't drive as well... I've got used to this area. And I don't know. We've just walked down here. I don't know if you noticed. I'm grazing as I go. There's little patches where I just eat. I just eat as I'm walking around. And I know this area. I know everything about here. I, for a couple of years, I didn't eat anything around here because there was a water leak at the top. And right. There's a. There was like stuff that I think should have belonged in a sewer coming out. It smelled a little bit. So I left this area completely. So they, when you get to know an area, you know these things and you know how long it takes to leave the system and all the rest of it. There's a wood where I'm just starting to learn a bit more rush- mushrooms, a few more mushrooms. And it's not Lee Woods, that side of town, it's another wood. And I can walk there from here. It takes me half a day. I know the change yeah, of the landscape. I have, you like bike, I have a bike, the tires have gone down and I haven't ridden it all summer because okay. I like plodding. Okay. okay. there's something different. Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. different mentality There about it is plodding around. And so that leads into something else, actually. That forest bathing that I did was the other side of town. And I stayed out four nights, three days. Yeah, that's right. I'd always moaned to myself that maybe I wouldn't leave Bristol because it's, it's just not green enough. As I walked back from the forest, my mind was only on... I had the opposite of plant blindness. I could only see plants. I had building blindness and car blindness yeah. because I was in that mental space. Yeah. And so I walked back across town. And it just seemed so much greener. I felt like the wood was coming with me. I kind of felt nice. like I'd walk into civilization and have this cut-off point, but instead, it was like the wood was in me. To me,
0: that is all cognitive. It's like, how are we using our consciousness to embrace the world? It's a bit like, is a glass half-empty or half-full yeah, kind of scenario. Yeah, exactly. We, I lived in the countryside most of my life. Little spit in Bristol, little bit in Bath, and then country, and I yeah. grew up in the countryside. So, my general life experience has been countryside. And I moved in with a woman in 2014 and she lived in the city. And it's taken me literally five years. I wanted to run right. back out into yeah. the hedge. I couldn't deal with And we're talking X day. It's not. It's like it's a market a, town. Uh, no, it's, it's not that, even yeah. Bristol. It's certainly not London yeah. or Johannesburg. You know, you can the... walk across it in a day, really yeah. easily. Yeah, a morning. Like, yeah, <laughs> morning. Yeah, quite. Yeah. So it's that yeah, small, yeah. but that still freaked me out. Now I've integrated it, and I love cosmopolitan life. Do you lunch? Do I what? Do you go for lunch? What do you mean go? Oh, I love. That's what I love about the city.
1: I go for lunch. I can find somewhere and just eat out for lunch people call me the forager that lunches
0: <laughs> No, okay <laughs> yeah no there is that that's what I love about having this human culture on tap that's yeah. why I like cities but there is this wildness within the city yeah if we choose to see it I'm actually at a place in my plant journey where I don't even see cultivated and uncultivated plants they're right. plants we've got one here right that's a garden plant
1: I can't remember the latin name the Himalayan honeysuckle. Yes, that, pheasant berry. That, pheasant berry, exactly. Yeah. So that's slowly spreading. It's, I think it started in one of the gardens just at the back here and it's slowly spreading throughout these woodlands. Yeah. This isn't from here. The Himalayan name gives it away, really, yeah. doesn't it? But let's see what you mean. That's settling in quite nicely. Yeah. You know, that's that's okay, you know. Where do you wear your own invasives? I'm absolutely cool with them. There's some Japanese not with the other side of the river just here. And I've been watching that grow, patch of it grow for the last three years. Yeah. And it's spread a little bit and it and okay, you could say it's taken over a bank of a riverside. Yeah. But then what's really curious for me is the other plants are adapting around it. Like you've so. got rushes coming up yeah. around it. They know the season. And so that's in a way, even though it's this scary invasive that blocks out all light and everything. It actually seems to be settling Not weed in. Or, or balsam.
0: Not weed. Not weed, Not weed. yeah.
1: Weed. Yeah. So it seems to be settling into the environment. And I never thought I'd say that 20 years ago. It's interesting to wonder where, where the end of these things are, where the end of cultivated plants going into the wild,
0: what that's going to look like. There's two things that... Want to pick up on that? I go deep in in my research with plants, and every plant has a story which is fascinating. I went round the council. I said it to you on the phone. There's this plant. I said, Andy, have you seen this plant for hoa? It's a guava kind of flavour, right. and the flowers. I have never tasted flowers so amazing. It was candy flowers, right. but pineapple and guava flowers. Well, no, not tried. It was and texture-wise, right. unbelievable, and that prompted me to then go. This is, this, how can I separate? When we're humans looking to feed ourselves, yeah. how can I actually separate out the cultivated and the uncultivated? All the cultivated are, are plants that we have chosen preferentially that have high productivity in, in food yeah, they produce yeah, to feed more of us. But I, actually, it, it, so I can't be bigoted. And there's an interesting I thing. can't go, I am just wild food. A good healthy culture is one that is a blended culture from many influences. So we go edible
1: foods, don't we? So like the yucca plant's edible as well. Yeah. And I see that as a wild food plant, even though I see it in garden. Yeah. You know? So it's the same, we're talking about the same thing. I get that point actually. Really? I don't see the difference between a wild, wild food and yeah. a cultivated wild food. They're foods that you can eat. And I suppose it's not like you're nicking a carrot out of someone's no, garden. It's no. different than that, isn't it? It's well, like That's theft. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was to take a yucca flower off a plant in someone's garden, that was hanging over the fence, yeah. say, that's fine. Yeah, you
0: know, totally. That's totally. I suppose rather than it being one or other, it's broadening the diversity of plants that we can, you know, that never, we eat.
1: I've never noodled that down to say, yes, there's a line between those two. I think I've always had that mentality. But you've well. always lived in a city. Well, I've always lived in a city. But
0: you listen yeah. to country foragers. And, and maybe it's a branding thing of the industry as a whole with the chefs getting on it. I went to a restaurant because they just focused on a wild dinner and it was fantastic from a marketing side from a corporate side it's like they're branding foraging and wild food and making it exclusive which my remit for foraging is if my work cannot be relevant to the single parent at the top of the high-rise building in Birmingham on the in the middle of the the motorways then I might as well give up. Yeah, yeah. There's no point. Well, I'm to... not interested in it just being for one group right. of
1: people. I wanted to have some conservation notes. And so I talked to Dave Winard, at Discover the Wild. He's up north. Go-to yeah. conservation guy. Right? So I showed him my list of plants for this latest book. And he was like, so it's for the city forestry then? And I was like, I suppose it is. And is. You're right. It can be a corporate thing that's where the line has to be drawn if you're selling
0: something, perhaps. Because that differentiates. I, I completely understand it. And it's people's choices whether they choose to buy into that. Yeah, yeah. I have a bit of a trouble with the word foraging. Like, I don't forager, refer to myself like, as a
1: forager. I do, but it doesn't rest right, I, and I haven't got an alternative, so that's what I use. With notes, in in a wider thing, we're just a little bit of a joint with a mycelium. We're yes. it help connect other people. Yes, connectors sense. with information, connectors of people, that kind of stuff. I sometimes wonder if I've ever had a pro walk wedding because I've done booze walks and people have got very friendly on them sometimes and I want to do it if... because of the result of any of my work that have paired off No.
0: We've... well if we've... anyone's listening if you've been on Andy's thing yeah, yeah. and you're now in a marriage or civil partnership or long-term relationship as a result of getting completely annihilated on his highly <laughs> toxic gin yeah then do right in. if, do if right it's in. had the
1: opposite effect and you split it up then I don't want to I'm I'm sorry yeah, <laughs> but those cracks were probably be there. What have we done? We've, done? we've covered everything now, Robin. Oh, we've just been on a wander. I suppose what we've done as well is if we're looking at this landscape full of all these different plants that have grown up, we're just one of these, aren't we?
0: We're members of an ecosystem.
1: Yeah. yeah. Are we the mycelium or are we the tree?
0: I don't know. I'm a human. <laughs> don't know about you, mate. <laughs> that forest bathing for obviously gave you a bit of insight. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> But actually we're mushrooms, aren't we more mushroom than we are human? Well we're human, we're definitely human. We're certainly No, I know. Mus- we're certainly more mushroom than we are plant. But genetically we're half banana, aren't we? All
1: yeah, if you're fifty percent banana, then your mum or
0: your dad must be a banana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is just daft. So have we finished? I think we've finished. We have, not yeah. we? So before we do finish, reel off all the books you've written and tell her how people can find you and so I'm the know, other
1: Andy Hamilton. And I- I restrict my social media use, but I do put stuff out every now and again on there. And so there's a back catalogue of stuff on their little films and stuff. YouTube on the other Andy Hamilton, there's a few videos on there. My books are...
0: So let me just qualify this. The other Andy Hamilton, because apparently there's some other person who's not quite as famous as you. Is that right?
1: Within our community, yes. Okay. In the wider world, no. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the other Andy Hamilton, because there's a few of them as okay. well. There's yeah. there's like a jazz musician and a darts player. And most famously, there's a there's a writer for Radio 4 and stuff. Okay. He's a lovely chap. I've had contact with him. Oh, He's right. A okay. chap. Yeah, yeah. Um So, yes, on the other hand, someone came along to one of my talks and he was waiting to see the Radio 4 Andy Hamilton, and he got me instead. <laughs> and he said, do you know what? I had a great time. And he bought one of my books and bought <laughs> me a part. So there was that. So, yeah, so the first book I wrote was the self sufficientish Bible, which unfortunately is out of print now. The second book, but you can still find it. And that was a kind of um, a look at how to be self-sufficient as self-sufficient possible in a city.
0: And you did that with your brother, yeah? And I did that with my brother. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And the second book is Boost for Free. And that's still in print. And it's still in hardback, which apparently is quite a good thing, according to my publisher so that book has has been the most famous so that's like hedgerow booze that was a real pioneer
0: book really if you think about how the wild booze movements come about i mean you were kind of the pioneer of all that first of that yeah that's true that's true actually yeah yeah. i was credit where credit's due the
1: best-selling homebrew author with that book for a couple of years wow so i i carried on down that booze line for a little bit and did another book called brewing britain which then got repackaged Post Brexit, for some reason, okay. as as the perfect pint, <laughs> so that became the perfect pint, and then I did a okay. book called "Fermenting Everything" for American audience, yeah, which gets people so angry. <laughs> okay, like, okay, you do understand American though, don't you? So it's in cups and stuff like that, yeah. But I also put actually, it's not just all it; it's metric and imperial, yeah. But yeah, really annoyed one bloke in particular, odd, really odd. Anyway, so that was for an American audience, but. Totally relevant in the UK as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm working on a book that might be called The Faint Hearted Forager, and then I'm working on the last book that won't be out till 2025. So, Faint Hearted Forager will be out in 2024, April, and National Trust Harper Collins that's published by, and then I've got another book that I'm working on that's going to be out in 2025, which we'll meet again and talk about. Okay. Yeah. Called cool. The New Wild Order. But we'll work that out. We'll oh, wow. Okay. That. We'll
0: talk about that. Oh, that sounds good. Because that's a big... The TheOtherAndyHamilton.com, is it? Yeah. I have to think. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And if just to double check, it'll be in the show notes that are, you know, wherever this podcast goes out. So. Cool. Thanks, mate. Cheers, man. Cheers. Nice one. Yeah. Pleasure. yeah. Really well.